Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautio Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautiobooks.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to our show number 957. Well, last week we announced the launch of our Talking Birds Patreon, through which we're offering exclusive content and behind-the-scenes Talking Birds stuff to listeners who join our Patreon and support our show in the process. We're happy to report that a bunch of folks have already signed up and will receive exclusive Talking Birds show content like bonus video guest interviews, behind-the-scenes photos, and personalized video messages. And here's something new that we're adding to the mix for supporters. Fascinating facts about Talking Birds team members. Here's a little tease about that. Which of the following descriptions match up with which of our team members... Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and Jesse Wilkins. One of our Talking Birds team members not only plays piano, but also teaches piano. Another of our team members plays the viola as well as other instruments and has done writing and editing work for several major publications. And one of our Talking Birds team members once served in a specialized capacity on board the U.S. Navy hospital ship, Comfort. If you join our Talking Birds Patreon and support our show in the process, we'll reveal to you who matches up with which description. You can join at patreon.com slash talkingbirds. And you can find more info, by the way, complete info on our talkingbirds.com website, as well as on our Facebook and Instagram Pages and that direct link again, patreon.com slash talking birds. From the Talking Birds mailbag, we received a note from Kai Platt, who's from Brooklyn, New York. And he said, I am currently traveling with my wife in India. Attached is a video of a bird call that I'd love to submit to be shared on your show. And Kai sent us this recording. Hey Ray, this is Kai from Hyderabad, India. I have no idea what this bird call is, but I thought I'd share. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I did hear a 2008 Hyundai Sonata in there, but that's not what we're talking about here. What is that bird? Well, our Talking Birds International Bird ID Committee went straight to work, and we contacted Mohan Srimat Tirumala Pedinti, who lives in Hyderabad, India, and who happens to be a Talking Birds ambassador. And Mohan said, I quote, I believe it is the call of an Indian red-whiskered bulbul. The red-whiskered 
whiskered bulbul, a striking bird with a jaunty crest and a bright red facial patch or whisker. That's the bird, also called the red-vented bulbul. So there you have it, Kai, and thank you so much, Mohan, for that ID help. We have a picture of that bird, by the way, on our uh, Facebook page right now. And as it turns out, today is kind of a big red-whiskered bulbul day here on Talking Birds. I believe it's a first, because quite by coincidence, we're about to hear that bird again, this time from Hawaii, through an audio postcard sent to us by our friend Gino Ellison, who's in the midst of a spectacularly successful North American big year with a stated goal of IDing 700 bird species by the end of 2023, a number that he's already exceeded, by the way. He's checking in here from Hawaii with that bird about which we've been speaking. Take it away, Gino. Hello, Ray. This is Gino Ellison, and I'm calling you from the Honolulu, Hawaii area. It's gorgeous here. And we're listening to the sound of red whiskered bulbo in the background. Let's give it a listen. Hey, Ray, I'm having a blast doing this big year, and it's really nice to be out here in Hawaii. The weather's gorgeous. And the birds are amazing. I hope you're doing well, and I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Gino. Thank you. And by the way, a little update here. Uh, Gino just sent us a note late last night saying that his total is now up to 742 bird species. His goal now of 756. I don't think I would want to bet against that for sure. Thank you, Gino. By the way, we love to get audio postcards from wherever you are, and that includes your backyard. Just take your smartphone or digital recording device out into your yard or wherever you're looking at birds. Just record a little thing there. Try to get some bird sound in the process if you can, or just a narration of what you're seeing. And uh, send it to this email address, ray at talkingbirds.com. That's ray at talkingbirds.com for your audio postcard from anywhere. And now, a different bird altogether. It's our mystery bird. This is a preview of the actual contest coming later in the show. Trying to get you ready for it right now. With some clues, our mystery bird is a very small songbird with a long tail, a bluish-gray back, white undersides, and a prominent white eye ring. It has white feathers, outer feathers on its tail, which it often wags, a behavior thought to help it flush the insects in which it feeds. Our bird's rambling song often contains some mimicked phrases of other bird species. In fact, combined with its blue-gray color and long-tailed appearance, that's why it got the nickname Little Mockingbird. It's found in most of the U.S. in breeding season, and it's a year-round resident in Florida, on the Gulf Coast, and parts of the Southwest. That's our mystery bird, and my goodness, we have some wonderful prizes here. From Broom Bird Care, a mega 600 feeder. It has an extra-large tube that holds nearly two and a half pounds of seed. It's easy to clean, it's chew-proof, and it includes the Broom Seed Ventilation System 
to keep the cool the seed cool and dry. And it also comes with the Brome Lifetime Care Warranty. And from our new friends and prize providers from Fresh Cut Paper, makers of beautiful life-sized pop-up floral bouquets that are wilt-proof and crafted to last a lifetime, we have a certificate for five of their beautiful bouquets. And yes, they have bird-themed bouquets among their selections. Fresh Cut's bouquets, uh, bouquets, that is, have a small fraction of the carbon footprint of imported flowers. This is one of the reasons we love having them with us on the show. Fresh Cut also plants a tree for every bouquet sold, and they partner with 1% for the Planet, which is an international organization whose members contribute at least 1% of their annual revenue to environmental causes. Their website is freshcutpaper.com. That's a preview of our Mystery Bird contest coming along a little later in the show. Our Conservation Salute of the Week goes to the Environment Ministry in England, where at the beginning of this month of October, a ban on some single-use plastic products came into force across the country. Government figures suggest that around 1.1 billion single-use plates and more than 4 billion pieces of plastic cutlery are used in England every year, while the vast majority of those items cannot be recycled, and it can take hundreds of years for them to biodegrade in landfills. These new rules are part of a wider goal to eliminate avoidable plastic waste by 2042. Environment Minister Rebecca Powell says the government has already implemented what she calls world-leading bans on straws, stirrers, and plastic shaft cotton buds and has rolled out charges for carrier bags along with an industry tax on large plastic packaging imports. She says the latest ban will, quote, protect the environment and help to cut litter stopping plastic pollution, dirtying our streets, and threatening our wildlife, end quote. So a talking bird salute to the government and the Environment Ministry of England. Well, that's kind of a royal salute, and this is definitely one for our newest talking birds ambassadors that we have to thank for becoming talking birds ambassadors those are listeners who uh, kind of rise to the next level and help us spread the word about our show and spread the word about what we're trying to spread, which is the word about the wonder of birds and the importance of conservation. Thank you to Carolyn Moy from Middletown, Rhode Island, who happens to be the director of finance and operations at a wonderful place there in Middletown, Rhode Island, the Norman Bird Sanctuary which is a nonprofit wildlife sanctuary and environmental education center offering more than 300 acres of diverse habitats and seven miles of hiking trails. If you're in or anywhere near Rhode Island, it's certainly worth a visit. The website is normanbirdsanctuary.org. Thank you so much, Carolyn. And thank you to Mark Dayton from Lakeside, California. Mark is a highly sought-after San Diego bird guide. And in our latest small world category, Mark just served as an area guide for our friend Gino Ellison as part of his North American big year that we've been talking about. Wow. 
Thank you so much, Mark. We hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador if you're a Talking Birds listener. It's easy to do. Just go to talkingbirds.com. Click up there at the top where it says Get Involved to become a Talking Birds ambassador. Very easy to sign up for and easy to do. Still to come today, we'll reprise a favorite interview from back in January with the Cornell Lab of Ornithology's Elliot Miller about his fascinating research involving two bird species that strike fear in the hearts of your backyard finches, flickers, and flycatchers, the Cooper's hawk and the sharp-shinned hawk. Also today, Mike O'Connor from Cape Cod's famous Birdwatcher's General Store will join us for Let's Ask Mike Live about nests, finding them in fall when they're kind of easier to see. Mike will have some stuff to say about that. And up next, with a Cape Cod connection, a bird that kind of symbolizes the approaching season of winter is today's featured feathered friend. Some years ago, your humble host was a resident of that sweet, sandy peninsula, that glorious glacial moraine in Massachusetts that advances like an arm into the Atlantic, flexed at the elbow, and known as Cape Cod. Many friends still live there, including Mike O'Connor and David Clapp, although no town there is big enough for both of them. And though Cape Cod is famous for its summer swimming weather, it's magical in the winter, too, when people desert the beaches and birds move in from the north, like the many species of sea ducks and alcids that gather in flocks and rafts within view of the shore. And there are lots of birds to see on land as well in those crisp Cape Cod winters, including today's featured feathered friend, the snow bunting. A small songbird swooping and turning in tight flocks among the windswept dunes in the salty air above the beach, managing to find sufficient food in this seemingly barren landscape, feeding on weed and grass seeds in wind-scoured patches of sand and in stalks that poke above the snow. The snow bunting is bigger than a sparrow, smaller than a robin, the male in winter has white undersides and large white wing patches, contrasting with a brownish back and black tail and flashing dark wingtips. The female sports a subdued version of those colors. A flock of these birds seen careening in unison overhead may remind you of a snowstorm, even when no snow is falling. The snow bunting, which is one of just two members of the genus Plectrophonex, along with the McKay's bunting, breeds in the high Arctic and winters over much of Canada and most of the northern U.S., including that land of sand dunes and salty air, Cape Cod. By the way, our bird's species-specific name, Nivalis, means snowy. It's Plectrophonex nivalis, today's Talking Birds featured feathered friend. The snow bunting. Welcome again to our show, number 957. So the premise, two similar bird species inhabiting the same local area, looking for pretty much the same food sources. How do they coexist? Elliot Miller, research scientist at the Cornell 
Lab of Ornithology wondered about this, and he's going to tell us what he found. Good morning, Elliot. Your study focused on two occipiters, the Cooper's hawk and the sharp-shinned hawk. What did you find out about this coexistence idea? Yeah, um, well, thanks for having me. So it's a really neat system, right? A lot of people have studied this before, but we were able to partner with thousands of citizen scientists to offer a lot of insight on how these two, uh, you know, pretty similar raptors, so similar that a lot of people have trouble telling them apart. Mm -hmm. Um, We were able to partner with them and get some really great information across all of North America. And we found that uh, Cooper's hawks tend to eat bigger prey, which isn't surprising because they're bigger birds. Mm -hmm. And uh, sharp-shinned hawks tend to eat smaller prey, which isn't surprising since they, you know, it's a smaller hawk. But we also found that Cooper's hawks were uh, eating that same smaller prey base. And so it was really neat to, you know, see this at such a broad spatial scale. So choosing by the size of the birds partly, but the Cooper's kind of going for both sides. And I, I wonder, you know, Cooper's, as I understand it, have been more successful than Sharpies population-wise over the past few decades. Is that food preference uh, tie into that somehow or any, any yeah. way to think of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool, um, and we we don't really know it's a chicken and an egg sort of thing, or Cooper's and a egg sort of thing. They've really done a great job at, at colonizing urban areas, both during the breeding and the, and the non-breeding season. And whether that's because their preferred prey is there, the, the preferred prey really seems to be doves. They love doves, either rock doves, rock pigeons, um, or uh, morning doves, white-winged doves. Eurasian collared doves, those are all really urban birds, or at least often found in urban areas. And so their populations are booming in urban areas. Uh, Sharpshins, they'll winter in urban areas, um, but not to the same degree as Cooper's, and they're not sort of seeing that massive population boom that Cooper's have over the last 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Interesting. The Sharpies are pretty much stable, though, right, over the last few decades? Yeah, I, I think it's hard to get a great trend estimate for them. It's a hard mm-hmm. bird to survey, but they're not they're not plummeting. Um, you know, since the DDT bans, they certainly have recovered uh, substantially. Mm-hmm. Well, answers developed often lead to more questions. How about in this study? What what uh, kind of main questions did you uh, find yourself with? <laughs> well, the thing that I'd really like to know um, is why we get these pairs of similar-looking exhibitor species all around the globe. Mm-hmm. You know, we're familiar with uh, Cooper's and Sharpshinned. In our, uh, you know, broadly across all of North America, they co-occur. They look super similar, really hard to tell apart, totally different uh, prey, as we're, as we're showing here. Mm. Um, and, and how did that come to be? Uh, you know, we, it's hard to say here, but if you start looking around the globe, you get multiple uh, sort of case studies to offer some insight. So in Madagascar, you've got multiple exhibitor species that all look really similar and are, are different, different size. You've got the same thing in New Zealand, uh, Europe. I'd really like to know, you know, how that comes to be. Why do they look similar? How have they sort of evolved into these different size niches? Mm-hmm. And by uh, the, yeah. yeah. I want to just mention that we talk about this the uh, information, the data you got for this, and uh, Project Feeder Watch was, is really uh, where that data came from, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really phenomenal, right? It's, it's hard to overstate this. I mean, people have studied these birds before, no question, and it's been a, really a, a labor of love. You know, you got to find the nest, climb up there, um, study what, what remains are in the nest. And so, yeah, we know a lot about what Coopers and Sharpshins eat, but it's, it's really at a pretty local scale. Um, and by partnering now with citizen scientists, we're really able to see so much more information at such a broader spatial scale. So it's been been great. There's about 30,000 uh, feeder watchers. This has been going on for well over 30 years now. Mm-hmm. We're getting awesome information on population trends and uh, now what they're eating and doing.
Amazing. Yeah, citizen science. What a great thing. And Elliot, we're just about out of time, but to find more details about your study, feederwatch.org is where to go. And uh, I think I found it under the heading More Articles. That sound right? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, please check it out and uh, join Project Feeder Watch and any other citizen science project you find interesting. Indeed. Elliot Miller is a research scientist at the Cornell Lab of Ornithology. He joined us from the lab in Ithaca, New York. Elliot, thank you so much, and we'll look forward to hearing uh, about more of your research for too long. Thanks, Ray. It's been great talking. Thanks. Elliot Miller here on Talking Birds, and up next, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. If you've been listening to our show for a while, you've heard me say, boy, are we short on time. So give us a call as soon as you can on our mystery bird contest. That's the bird right there. A very small songbird with a long tail, a bluish-gray back, white undersides and a prominent white eye ring. It has white outer feathers on its tail, which it often wags. The tail, that is, a behavior thought to help flush the insects on which it feeds. Its appearance and its sound, that mimicking sound, gives it the nickname Little Mockingbird. What is it? 781-837-4900 is the number. We have that beautiful Brome Bird Care Mega 600 feeder and those beautiful bouquets from fresh-cut paper as prizes this morning on our Mystery Bird Contest. If we have time to do it, that's the key part. Call us as soon as you can at 781-837-4900. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, let's ask Mike live in just one minute. What's one of your favorite memories? Hmm, let's see. Well, there was this one time I went snorkeling in the Caribbean when I was a kid. It really just blew my mind. I mean, when you're sitting on the beach, it's so peaceful and you sort of forget there's a whole other world under there just full of all kinds of life. We saw the most beautiful corals. I remember thinking they were waving at us as they moved with the ocean. And then there were all these amazing fish. They kind of reminded me of tropical birds. They were so bright and colorful, just darting all over the place like birds in the sky. I'll never forget it. It completely changed the way I look at the ocean. Most of us have a memory of being in nature we'll never forget. Let's protect the world's natural places so more memories can be made for generations to come. Visit worldwildlife.org. 
Live to Cape Cod, Massachusetts, Mike O'Connor is there looking up as usual, but not necessarily for birds this time, but for birds' nests. It's a good time of year to do it. Good morning, Mike. Uh, good morning, Ray. Yep, <laughs> you're talking to me. For, I'm on the sweet, sandy peninsula. I just heard that term. This, yes, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the um, glorious uh, glacial moraine of Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not as charming. But, yeah, we'll go with the sweet, sandy peninsula. Okay, yeah. We got some uh, nests down there in the peninsula, right, as well as other places. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people, when the leaves come off the trees, which you're starting to do now, and people all of a sudden discover nests in the yard that they didn't even know were there, which is, which is kind of cool. And then the next thing they want to know is uh, what they are. And we have to do a little detective work here to, f- yeah. to figure out what they are. It's the CSI bird nest is what's going to happen. <laughs> and and the first thing you want to do is make a list of suspects, just like in a crime scene. You say, okay, what do I have in my backyard? You know, you've got, okay, you got cardinal, bluebird, mockingbird, blue jay. Let's see what's going on. One minute, you're going to figure out the location that you find it, whether it's on the ground like you might find a toey's nest or in a birdhouse like a bluebird or on a porch like a phoebe or in a shrub like a robin. You narrow it down. And then then after that, you decide, okay, what size is it? Is it uh, small? Then it'll be like a goldfinch, or is it larger like a jay's nest, or even a crow's? You keep tweaking it down, and then you make a list of the material that you that's in the nest, right? So it's like if it's mud, like robins have, or sticks like doves use, um, or maybe lichens like a hummingbird, and you kind of gather all the facts, and then you go to uh, what I think is one of the best bird books that everybody should have is a Peterson Guide to Bird's Nest, which has actually been updated in recent years, and it's got a list of all the nests and what the material they use, where they're located, the height, so if it's a low nesting two or three feet off the ground, that gives you a whole host of birds to consider, or if it's higher, like a flycatcher, then you can consider that. the material, what they what they use, and it's got give you all the options. So when you find a nest in a tree, like I just found one when like I was doing some yard work and I came across the nest, I didn't know it was there, and I kind of did the science on it, and did the math, and uh, I had a song sparrow nest that I, I didn't know it was there. So and um, first I thought it was a red whisked bulbul, but it turns out no, that was that's yeah. I found a couple of those this week, but they're not, they're not common. Yeah. <laughs> And if you don't have that book, and you should, then uh, click on your little friends at Cornell. They have that About Birds <laughs> website, which is really good. And yeah, if you go to the link birds. of Natural History, if you go to that link, and then it'll go to the nest section, and it'll, again, tell you where these birds nest. So if you get down, your, like, I think it's a mockingbird, go to this link, look at the mockingbird. It'll tell you what the material is, where to find it, what tree it's in, because certain mm-hmm. birds like certain trees. You know, they don't call pine warblers pine warblers because they nest in pine trees. That's that's the thing. That's stuff like that. And um, just remember that, like like feathers and eggs, you can't gather them, so don't take the nest down and put it on your mantle because that's against the law. Yeah, eyes only, right? Right, that's yeah. right. eyes only. Hey, I've got, an, I've got an alternate name for the CSI Cape Cod. How about, got? How about drag nest? <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. All right. Uh, we'll work on that. Talk to you next week. Okay. All right. Time. Mike O'Connor there at the famous Bird Watchers General Store in Cape Cod, and we're back to the Mystery Bird Contest. This is our bird one more time, and we have Susan calling from uh, Yarmouth Port, Massachusetts.
speaking of Cape Cod, good morning, Susan. Good morning, Ray. Good morning. What do you think? You heard the bird and all that stuff? What do you think? Um, how about the black-tailed gnatcatcher? Black-tailed gnatcatcher. That is what we call a top-quality guess. But it does oh. seem to have drawn this. I think yeah. that's the first time I've missed. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, that means that it'll be the last time, I'm sure. But thank you. I hope so. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Susan. All right. Uh, a top-quality guest from Susan. Here's Janice in Carver, Massachusetts. Good morning, uh, Janice. Is it the blue-gray gnat catcher? I think it might be the blue-gray gnat catcher. In fact, the audience applause would seem to confirm that. Absolutely right. Yes, the blue-gray gnat catcher, sometimes called the little mockingbird, because it looks and kind of sounds like a mockingbird. Anyway, nice uh, job, Janice. And if you'll stay on the line, we'll get your info and send you those nifty prizes from Broom, Broom Bird Care and Fresh Cut Paper. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. The blue-gray gnat catcher, our mystery bird, and we are all out of time for this morning's show. We're going to get to work on another one. Don't forget our new Patreon. You can find it at patreon.com slash Talking Birds. And thanks to our amazing Talking Birds team, Debbie Bleacher, Freya McGregor, and our producing engineer, Jesse Wilkins. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. The bird show. I like that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics, with the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Beauty O Books, an independent, family owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com.